Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Huge thanks to Kermit Davis for joining us. Um, Some breaking news for the NFL as we begin uh, our number two. According, let me make sure this is right here. Yes. According to uh, Diana Rossini, the Titans are expected to release wide receiver Julio Jones. Uh, This according to Diana Rossini of ESPN. Uh, This news coming down literally as the new league year begins across the National Football League. So if you're listening to us live exactly right now, uh, all of those reported trades, all of those reported contracts that were agreed to terms over the last 48 hours, they are official right now uh, across the league. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Outkick's got tons of coverage on the NCAA tournament. We've got a live watch party here at 6th and Peabody, for instance, tomorrow. We're going to be live. Chad, I would describe tomorrow's show as like a companion show for all of the games going on, both live and, and scoreboard updates, That games that will be final. For instance, Michigan and Colorado State will be final as we take the air tomorrow. We'll re- be recapping that. Um, Outkick's got Trey Wallace in Indianapolis. Tennessee plays in Indy. So does Kentucky. So does Murray State. There are a lot of storylines there. And Trey Wallace from Outkick joins us. It's a field trip is the way That's I described right. it. Yeah. It's like a, it's a field a, trip show The next show days tomorrow. are a field trip shows for Outkick 360. That's where right. Uh, we're going to talk about whatever's going on in the NCAA tournament. That's exactly where Trey Wallace is right now. Trey, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good, guys. It's uh, it's glad to have you uh, joining in on the fun I'm having any. I wish I was there in Nashville having yeah, some some cocktails tomorrow with you guys. <laughs> hey, Sounds they, fun. They have cocktails in Indy also. They, they they sell they sell cocktails there as well. So you should be good to go. Well, I mean. It didn't take Peyton Manning long to get some of the Tennessee crew in the St. Elmo's last night, I was told. So maybe that would happen. Hey, um, I know that, that Tennessee, in, in their media session today, uh, spoke at length about a, a different approach, uh, redemption from losing in, in the first round last season in the same city. That is a big to-do for for Tennessee, I, I think they're, you know, honestly, Jonathan, I, I, they're kind of downplaying it a little bit. Uh, but Josiah Jordan James talked about it. Now I have a story coming out in the morning. You know, this is uh, Tennessee looks at this as kind of redemption of of coming back and playing in the same arena where they were last year, where everything was just crazy, and getting an opportunity to right that wrong, um, and and the way that they felt coming off last season. You know, in that, in that first round loss, I think it's very big for Tennessee. You know, uh, overall for this team, and Josiah Jordan James talked about it even more. He said, "Look, you know, th- this is a brotherhood that we have. This has been one of our goals. 
Our other goal was to win the SEC tournament, which they did. And now it's to continue on in the NCAA tournament and, and make it to a Final Four. To just it, From Josiah talking about it, it felt like a big to-do for them to right that wrong. And I think it presents a perfect opportunity tomorrow with Longwood for them to do that. Well, and a year ago, they lose to Oregon State. And while that was a talented Tennessee team, and people were saying, hey, could be a team that goes on a run, I don't think their performance shocked anybody uh, a year ago. It was a bad performance, but I can't say that I was completely shocked. If Tennessee comes out and plays really poorly against Longwood, Trey, based on the last four minutes of the game in Austin, Texas, and everything forward outside of the one game at Arkansas, really one half at Arkansas, um, it would shock me if Tennessee does not play well the way they've been playing leading up this tournament. Do you agree? No, I, I agree completely. If, if Tennessee doesn't come out tomorrow and shoot, I don't know, what, 38% in the first half of the field and, and, and make a couple threes to, to get things rolling in the first half. And, you know, I expect it to go just how it went in Tampa for Tennessee. There, there's not much change. They haven't really done much. They got home from Knoxville, spent a day, and then got up here to Indianapolis. I, I expect them to come out tomorrow – and see that, and to me, that would be the shocker, Chad. You you come out and you play bad, like you played against some of these teams this year at, at, in in the middle of the year. But one thing Tennessee can't afford tomorrow is that five minute drought. Okay, and, and if that happens, okay, we'll we'll see. Longwoods, they're speedy. They can hit the shot. They they've got the good guard play. Um, I think Tennessee should beat this team by fifteen to twenty points tomorrow, but. We've seen how Tennessee reacts sometimes. I don't expect that to happen. I expect Rick Barnes and this team to be focused, to come out on a mission, make things happen, get it done, get to the second round, and continue on. And just the way that they were practicing today, they were focused, uh, they were having fun up there, talking with the media, you know, kind of just laughing. It, it feels like, Chad, they're loose, where last year they went in and it felt like they were pretty darn tight. So I think that's the biggest difference between this year and last year. Trey, what was your first impression of uh, the Longwood Lancers and uh, Griff Aldrich, their head coach, who has a fascinating backstory? Yeah, the guy. I mean, the guy had successful law practice. I mean, and and was making a lot of money doing it, and decided to to hop on board with a close friend of his and coach UMBC, and then you know years later he ends up the head coach at Longwood. Um, you know, it's a it's a fascinating overall story of, of how he got into the game. You know, he thought he was going to go back to coach high school basketball. And then he got an opportunity to go in and coach college basketball. And his, his story is pretty cool. He didn't really want to go into it really in depth today. It was about the players, he said. But it's a fascinating read if if you want to go back and, and, and look at how he's gotten the league. I, I watched Longwood practice today for about 45 minutes. Um, there's going to be a lot of three-point shots taken tomorrow. Um, it is, they don't have a very big post presence at all. So Fulkerson, Brandon Hundley Hatfield, Euros, whatever, if they can take care of the boards, I think Tennessee is going to be okay tomorrow. Just as long as they, you know, play good perimeter defense, but you know, Longwood's a good story and, and good for them for getting here. And you never know guys, we're in March, crazy things happen. Okay. So that's why Tennessee has to come out and play their A game tomorrow. Is Kentucky, have they hit Indy? Is there a clear presence as you look outside your hotel room or you're downtown? Oh, yeah. You didn't have to look in the arena. I mean, the arena, they're practicing. I watched the first 20 minutes and then headed back across the street. And, yeah, they're, they're already here. They're, they're, the Blue Mist is outside. They're eating. And, um, you know, they're, they're, some of them are rolling in on the wheelchairs. And 
all that good stuff, but they are uh, they're here in Indianapolis. It's like they just went from Tampa to Indy. It just it, it's kind of mind blowing. But it'll be look, it'll be a crazy atmosphere tomorrow. You'll have Kentucky fans that are rooting for Longwood. You have Tennessee fans, the ones that show up that are you know rooting for for St. Peter's tomorrow night. Uh, and Calipari, Calipari kind of today was talking about you know Kenny Payne's about to take the Louisville job, and he was talking about his relationship. With Rick Warren saying, "Hey, look, I've I've known Rick Warren for forty years. I was the one that that told him to take the Tennessee job, you know. And our friendship has never changed. So there's been some interesting little storylines kind of thrown in today. Um, but these teams are focused. They're ready to go, and and they're getting ready for tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Trey, who do you have in your final four at the the Outkick Bracket Challenge? So I okay, so I haven't gotten to. Oh, okay, you got to fill so it out. You still, I, there's still time. No, no, no. I know there, there's still time. I have tonight to, to fill it out. Um, I, I do have um, Gonzaga playing Kentucky for a national championship. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's what I have. Yes, that would be the, lost, that would be the final four because oh, I have final Gonzaga, Kentucky in the final four. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have Kentucky winning it all. Oh, right, we'll, we'll ask you again too. after you fill it out. I know. No, I, know I, I know Longwood. You've got going a long way. So we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll figure it out after you fill out your bracket. So Doc well, has, I didn't have the darn thing. I didn't have the darn thing pulled up right here. No, that's but fine. I, I remembered who I remembered who I'd had. And then I picked last night. You know, my Wyoming pick didn't happen with Indiana, so that kind of agitated me a little bit. So that's okay. We're we're still on it here at FanDuel. I'm gonna make some money while I'm up here in Indy to go spend it. The, uh, that'll get you into St. Elmo's. You know, we get the Manning table uh, at that point. That oh. get me a water, Jonathan. <laughs> Trey Wallace has been our guest. Uh, he's going to be providing great coverage uh, both uh, tomorrow and Friday for the show. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. For more, go to outkick.com. Uh, great uh, pieces up there already with his coverage, but things tip off starting tomorrow. Uh, as we go live, that game will be just underway in the first half. And then, Trey, you'll catch up with us right after the game concludes, and we'll have a full uh, recap of Tennessee and Longwood, as well as Michigan and Colorado State. I look forward to it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Lots of great content at Outkick right now. Just posted a piece about Calipari and Kentucky. Got a great piece coming out about Tennessee looking for redemption tomorrow here in Indianapolis. So we'll have things rolling up here in Indy. Y'all have a great time in Nashville and all over. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Trey. Trey Wallace has been our guest. So, Hutton, comparing last year's loss up in Indy in the same venue to Oregon State and this year's Tennessee team, the different feeling I have around this team, the two biggest things about this team are their two smallest players, Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler. That's why I feel different about this Tennessee team. They didn't have those guards a year ago. They had Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. Neither one was a point guard. They were more of a... Two or three, four wing well, score. Those two guards give me a different feeling about this team. And you combine that with the fact that Santiago Vescovi is a completely different player than he well, was a year we're ago. We're saying his name in a different way this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> Not only a completely different player, completely different person yeah. because it's no longer Vescovi. Uh, <laughs> it's now Vescovi. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a different feeling around this team. Look, Rick Barnes has had a lot of problems in the NCAA tournament. Nothing ever. It's March. Crazy things can happen. I will be shocked if Tennessee doesn't come out and play well uh, in this tournament starting tomorrow against Longwood because it would be completely against type with this group the way they've played. Um, that wasn't necessarily the case a year ago. 
Tennessee played historically bad in that game and got blown out by Oregon State. Oregon State also was hot at the right time of the year. They got hot and won the Pac-12 tournament, went to the Elite Eight after beating Tennessee, so they ran into a bit of a buzzsaw. Um, I think Tennessee comes out and plays well, and I think it's because of those guards that I mentioned. That's the biggest difference from last year's Tennessee team and this year's Tennessee team. Clear advantage based on what Trey's saying about Longwood is inside. Yeah, they have no size. They're going to chuck a lot of threes. Now, they do have two guys. They've got one guy who's like a 48% three-point shooter, and he shoots a lot, almost 50%. Another guy who's over 40% on the season. So they got a couple of guys who can bomb. Is he leading the country? At a, at a high percentage. I mean, for, uh, for shots more than like 100 in a yeah, season or I don't, something? Uh, the one guy that's 48%, I feel like, doesn't shoot a ton. But the other guy that's over 40 shoots it a lot. So they're a team that's going to take a ton of threes. The Titans are going to release Julio Jones. They're designating this as a post-June 1st release. This is going to save uh, more money on the salary cap for them moving forward. This will be... Uh, it'll save about nine or ten million dollars on the cap for the Titans by releasing Julio Jones. Um, it was a opportunity for the Titans in July of last year to have a go for it like mentality and move, and it did not work out. He was banged up. Um, whenever he was available, it was nothing consistent, and he was going to make way too much to be a number two, and in some cases, number three like production. For the Titans offense they're going to address wide receiver in free agency and the draft and it's a it's a pool of wide receivers right now uh, across the free agent market that I mean it, they have more there, there is more supply than demand and I think that helps out teams like the Titans looking to sign one of these guys well the Titans went for it and no one's going to blame them for going for it. Everyone wanted that move to happen at the time. Well, but, and, and, and Chad, it, they had lost Jonu Smith and Corey Davis, and you're looking around going, Nick Westbrook-Akeen is not the number two wideout. And Des Fitzpatrick does not cure all in the draft. And you have Julio Jones, a future Pro Football Hall of Famer, pairing him with A.J. Brown, your alpha, who is saying he wants him publicly campaigning for him. I, I love the move at the time. And I, I'll sit here and say, and, and Robinson saying it too, by making the move. It didn't work. It did not work. And they're making the right call by releasing him today. They went for it. No blame for going for it. It's what they needed to do at the time. It failed. Yes. Completely. Um, and now they're moving forward uh, without it. And, and you're right. There's got to be another wide receiver in the plans, uh, whether that be free agency, draft, uh, that they're not good enough at that spot. And because Julio Jones, who they were expecting to get more out of, just did not work out. And it's, you know, you give up the pick, but you, all, you lose a second-round pick. You also can't pick up the savings of the contract until after June 1st, so it doesn't help you right now go out and get that type of player. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Dan Dockich is about to join us. He has the Zags headed to not just the national title game. He has Gonzaga cutting down the nets in the Caesar Superdome on April 4th. Uh, beyond that, we'll get Dan Dockich's final four upset picks, uh, Cinderella's to bet on for a sweet 16-like run. Who's going to make it out of the weekend we're not expecting? Dan Dockich next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Dan Dockich uh, in the middle of um, recording an interview up in Indy. Unable to join us uh, this afternoon. No big deal, Dan. No, it's it's a big no deal. No big deal. It's a big deal in that Dan big timed us. I, I see this as uh, a bit of an early pissing contest between the two of Maybe. us at Outkick. Maybe. Uh, shots fired from Dan Dockage. He's the first to fire shots. So we got to fight. Look, there may be a morning where I join his show that uh, I send him a text five minutes four and say, <laughs> 8 30 a.m. doesn't work. Sorry. I'm I'll sorry. Send- I've. I'll send Dylan the text. 8.30 is not going to work for me. Sorry, I have brunch this morning. That's right. Outkick 360 rolls on two, from 6th and Peabody. Two can play at this game. Deshaun Watson and uh, all of the trade discussion heating up where you have the Browns involved. He's meeting with the Falcons today or, or, or has already. That was taking place today. He's already met with the Panthers and with the Saints. And now we wait because it's up to Watson on where he wants to get traded because he has a no trade clause in his contract. And it's a contract that Houston knows he's not going to play under for their franchise. They knew that prior to the 22 accusations made by the massage therapists um, last year. But some interesting scenarios. And if Chad, I was thinking about this last night. If he ends up in Cleveland, what, I mean, you've got Rodgers and Brady in the NFC. And who else? As you start to look around, Dak. I mean, that opens he's, things up for Dallas. He's next on the list, right? Uh, uh, the the quarterback that. conference with Watson remaining in the AFC. I'm I'm under the assumption he's going to end up in New Orleans or Carolina. Carolina is well, interesting. What happened with Atlanta? Well, Atlanta's in the mix. They're okay. meeting with them today, and Atlanta over See, the I, weekend told Matt Ryan they were going to be in the mix for this. I saw the uh, report late last night that Atlanta was the Atlanta had prepared a very elaborate pitch for Deshaun Watson about coming home. Yep. To the Falcons, and that the idea of quote coming home to the area where he's from was appealing uh, to Watson. So I wouldn't rule out the Falcons either. Um, it does feel like at this point, with the reports that are out there, it's either staying in the AFC with the Browns or one of those three NFC South teams right now for Deshaun Watson. Uh, from a route, from a quarterback opposition route to a Super Bowl, one of those NFC South teams is his best bet. And I say that, Hutton, after Tom Brady comes out of retirement I know. to play against him twice if he goes that division in the NFC South. That's how loaded the AFC is with quarterbacks. Well, think about from from the NFC South perspective, you're competing to get Watson with other teams. You're also competing not to face him twice a year. You know, if, if, if Atlanta gets him and Carolina doesn't, New Orleans doesn't, you're facing Deshaun Watson twice a year and a substantially improved roster for that opponent. Um, you know, and of course, with Brady and Tampa, uh, they're the clear favorite to, to win the division yet again. I'm, I'm intrigued by Carolina because I think Carolina – while I think a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Watson can team up with Christian McCaffrey, I think Carolina is interested in trading him. And 
that he certainly has a tradable contract after next season where the cap hit is not nearly as much as what's, what it would be right now if they trade him. But there was a report out last week or the week prior that they were willing to field calls about Christian McCaffrey. And also, in, in regards to McCaffrey, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. That's, that's the other factor here for the money that they've invested in him. I don't, but we didn't bring this up with McLean yesterday. He, he said that they would not be interested in Baker Mayfield. He said they would not be interested in uh, Matt, Matt Ryan, Ryan. Uh, and trading for, for one of those quarterbacks. I don't know if they would be interested in Christian McCaffrey, but it's certainly an intriguing part of the offer here. Uh, it's, a, it's a big contract this season, but by unloading on uh, Watson's contract, they're going to free up quite a bit of space. So, I don't know why they wouldn't be interested in Christian McCaffrey. Well, he's not healthy. I mean, it's like yeah. uh, your your uh, Julio Jones was a top three paid wide receiver going into the year, and his hamstrings are shot. And McCaffrey's playing ten games a year, so it's not. You, they the, the Panthers signed Deontay Foreman, former Titans running back, who was averaging nearly it was like four point eight, four point seven yards per carry when Henry was out. He. he he earned a contract right now because of what he did over the final nine games of the Titans regular season. And uh, initially the response was, oh, they're, they're pairing him up with McCaffrey and they've got a one-two punch at running back. They can move McCaffrey out more, like even more than they're already doing. I'm thinking they may be shipping McCaffrey out and planning ahead for a run game, or at least trying to. I also saw the Texans tweeted out, no official word yet, but Nick sent us this picture, and it was Nick Casario on the phones. Was their update on the, on the Texans trying to trade Deshaun Watson? Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Um, Aaron Wilson, it was last night, is the one who reported. I mentioned this earlier. He, he was on Twitter spa- spaces or whatever this is called. Ellie may know. I'm not in. I, I can't figure it out. Uh, there's no, it doesn't save the audio for you after you host one of these things, but apparently it's, it's he, like, it's like going on Instagram live. It's just you going right. on to chat with people. Apparently, um, Aaron Wilson was on there saying that the Panthers came away from their interviews with Watson thinking Watson was going to new Orleans. So if he ends up in new Orleans, seems like an odd the Panthers place. felt it, it was going to happen. Seems like an odd place to break news. On a format that doesn't save any of your audio. It's just I, you talking yeah, with someone else. I tend to say the uh, same. Probably not trying to break news that way, I guess. Top offensive tackle Trent Brown's uh, scheduled to meet with uh, Seattle. Uh, they're, they're a team that is uh, rebuilding uh, and uh, rebuilding an offensive line that's going to have a new quarterback. Russell Wilson officially traded to the Denver Broncos today. All those trades. Uh, went through right at 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. Uh, big news of the day, signing-wise, is Chandler Jones is now a Las Vegas Raider. He teams up with Max Crosby. Meanwhile, Yannick Ngakwe, in a rare straight-up trade, traded to the Indianapolis Colts from Vegas. So Yannick Ngakwe, former Jag, former Minnesota Viking. I feel like there was another team. I think this is his fifth team now since he, was, since he entered the league in 2016 he's now with the Indianapolis Colts traded straight up for Yak uh Rock Yassin is uh the cornerback's name who gets booed in Indy every time he allows a yeah, catch he's not very good defensive pass interference I know Rock Yassin for a guy who's not been very good for Indy 
Also not very good, Julio Jones with the Titans. He ended his uh, career with the Titans. 10 regular season games, 31 catches, 434 yards, and a touchdown. The only thing wrong with this stat line is it, it should say two touchdowns. He caught that touchdown pass at Seattle in, in week two last year, and they said he was out of bounds upon review. That was a touchdown. Um, other than that, stat line is correct. So um, The unofficial should say two touchdowns. Yeah, a little bit of baseball news also. Uh, we, we saw with the Yankees signing Anthony Rizzo last night that they were out of the, the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. Freddie Freeman, about an hour ago, released his own statement thanking Atlanta's organization and fans, obviously not coming back after they traded for Matt Olson. There's now some buzz around the Boston Red Sox as a second suitor for Freddie Freeman. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays traded for Matt Chapman of the A's. So that was one that people thought, okay, they may be gunning for Freddie Freeman. So they're out. Yankees out. It's now Dodgers or Red Sox for Freddie Freeman. Uh, so that's one to follow. And something we'll talk to JP and Sibia about coming up in what? About 30 minutes. Yeah, 30, 30 minutes from now. Looking forward to JP being in the studio with us. What, what a statement from Buzz Williams last night after the NIT opening round uh, victory for Texas A&M. Was it Alcorn State they played? Yes. I mean, no one's watching that game. Uh, some did. Uh, everyone watched, at least I would be glued to how Buzz Williams is going to respond for the first time publicly. And for seven and a half minutes, he, he read from like three or four, uh, it was a scripted statement, three or four sheets of paper that he wrote out. And Chad, he, uh, I know you watched it as well. He starts by saying, hey, this is going to be lengthy, and this is the only time I'm going to address it this offseason because everything I want to say about the selection committee process, I'm about to say. And, and it was great. He said, you know, when you're fully it started with, if you're fully committed to a worthy cause, you are inside of that cause and working for it. So I haven't had much time to think about it other than the hours after the decision. And like you said, I'm going to say it once and that's it. He said he was completely devastated and heartbroken trying to understand the data that the committee was looking at. And in trying to understand that, he started a deep dive into determining the committees who determine the committee members and the motives that those committees have in the selection process of determining the body of the group of people that ultimately decide whether you're in or out as an at-large and where you're seated and where you're playing. And he said he wanted to do this specifically for him, for his coaches, for his players, and those parents. And he brought copies of his research to everyone in attendance. Um, and that reminds me, I need to try to look this up on Twitter to see if I can find a copy of his research because he said it's lengthy. He didn't want this to become a math, uh, math class. So he printed off copies for everyone to take home. Um, Turn your syllabus to page three. He says please. it defies logic not to be in the tournament based on the criteria that he believed the committee was looking at, at least initially. And, in response, and I asked Kermit about this, Kermit Davis, while he was in studio with us to begin the show, uh, because there have been times where he was an at-large option and he was left out. His first team out last year in the tournament. And 
he, he, he agreed. It, it, they deal in generalities. There's no specific set of criteria that they say, okay, Buzz, here's why Texas A&M was not selected. And by the way, they weren't just among the first four teams out. They were the fourth team of the four teams with the options to play. And we know that because the, they, they give you the first four teams and then they tell you which teams are going to get called in the first round if there's a COVID issue with a team that can't participate. Dayton was the team that was going to get the first phone call. A&M was fourth on that list. So they weren't even close to getting in as an at-large, despite making a run all the way to the SEC championship game and winning down the stretch after Valentine's Day. Well, and that was the big surprise on CBS during the selection show when they released the next, the, the first four out and Dayton being there. Uh, they were all surprised saying, well, if Richmond did not upset Davidson, then Dayton would have been in the tournament. Chad, and no one had them that close to the tournament. Here are your replacement teams. Dayton at 23-10. and 10, Oklahoma at 18-15. and 15, SMU at 23 and 8, and then Texas A&M at 23 and 12. And making the run that they did, uh, beating Auburn, beating Arkansas, and falling to Tennessee in the championship game. Uh, Williams went on. He said, I've only been given generalities. There's nothing specific about the, the data info that I was given or that I could find. He said, quote, I've lost all respect and faith in the system and those that are in it, end quote. And then he started to tear up and cry as he read his statement about five and a half minutes in when he mentions the players who chose to stay an extra year at A&M to make a run like they did. And he said throughout his entire years of coaching, he's never had a group come together and play with the type of effort and mentality that that team did towards the middle of conference play. And he said, until there is complete transparency, the system will remain broken Allowing a personal bias to impact the process should not be allowed. This disgusts me that the system and the adults in the system prohibited our players from playing in the tournament. Now, Dayton and Oklahoma and SMU, we're not hearing from them. But There, there are other programs that we have a gripe. I like the fact that he sat down after a win in the NIT and said, here's what I've got to say about it. Yeah. Now, now what comes of this? Nothing. Nothing. Because, uh, I mean, it's a storyline now, and as soon as the games tip off tomorrow, it's no longer talked about. A&M is a non-issue as far as the national perception in the media and the 24-hour news cycle. So until it becomes the issue, like NIL, until it becomes the issue, transparency is not going to happen with the selection process. And, and part of that is ESPN is, you know, they're a huge part of it, right? They get the selection. Uh, they, they get all of the discussion and, and, and fodder and all the news. And then you have CBS who, you know, has the top games of the week and they've got the tournament. They've got the selection show and the unveiling. They're not overly critical about anything on that show. Um, and then you have the studio shows on True TV. and I mean, it's all just... Uh, very basic and bland in their analysis of this. So until they're asking the tough questions that Buzz Williams is trying to answer, none, nothing's going to happen here because no one has to answer for it. So Tom Burnett did respond. He is the uh, selection committee chairman. When asked about A&M, this was before Buzz Williams had his statement. Some of the, before you read this, 
he's a great example of CBS's coverage of the uh, of the selection show. That interview, you might I mean I, I would compare that interview with the selection chair to a halftime interview with a coach. It's just worthless. You don't learn anything about what went on in that meeting. You don't really know the criteria because they're very basic and bland with their response to the questions that Seth Davis and others are asking. They're also handed the questions in advance. For sure. You can tell because they have specifics about each team they're yep. asking about. Well, we really liked uh, Dayton's work in this you know, this yeah. part of the season and this record against Quad. They have all that pre-prepared. And the biggest storyline on CBS was Tennessee's three seed. Well, that not, was everywhere. Not and that, they, he had to answer questions about that all over the place. So Tom Burnett, though, specifically cited, he's the head of the selection committee, cited A&M's 4-10 record in quad one games when asked why the Aggies didn't get a bid. And then Burnett reiterated, the committee is looking at an entire body of work and not just one week in March. Here's what kills me on this. They're not looking at one week in March, entire body of work. Yet it's one week in November that gets Duke a two-seed. Right. When they beat Gonzaga. When you do well in Maui, right? When you do well the Champions Classic, if you're Duke and you beat Kentucky in November. Take time out of it. There used to be this whole thing about, you know, last 10 games, right? Remember this for years. They don't really show that as much anymore. But when you looked at a, a, a basketball team's resume, yep. part of it was record in the final 10. Because the final 10 mattered more than the first 10. And your record there mattered. If that's the case, I think... A&M would have been 8-2 and two or 9-1 and one in their final 10 games of the year. I, I want to get away from talking about time. Don't give me one week in March didn't matter because they doubled their quad one wins on the season in this one week in Tampa if you're A&M. We didn't want to put too much weight on one week in March while you give a ton of weight to one week in November with another team. This is where the committee is going to talk out of both sides of their mouth. And here is the bottom line. And well, I wish, you, can't, you can't ignore the conference tournaments. If I, was, if I was the committee, the head of the committee, and I wish someone would do this, there's always going to be snubs. There's always going to be of one, course. two, no, three, no four doubt. There's not, teams that feel right. slighted. You're and right. We can sit here and talk about Notre Dame and why they shouldn't be in or Indiana or Michigan and all these other programs and poke holes in their resume. And that's the point of a bubble team. There's a lot of holes in their resume. But here's what I'd like for the selection committee to say. Texas A&M belongs in. They belong in this tournament based on what they did, based on the end of the season. Here's the problem. We have 68 spots. If we could take 90 teams, we would do it. We had to decide between A&M and some other teams, and we will talk about the other teams that we elected to have. We don't want to make this about what A&M did not do because they had a great close their season. We don't want to disrespect them, that program, and tell you what they failed to do. We'll tell you what the other teams did. Um, media is not going to like that answer from someone, but if I'm the head of the committee, I'm taking that stance. Well, and I'm going to say, you're right. There's a lot of arguments for A&M to be in there. Let me give you the arguments for why Notre Dame is in, for why these other teams are in. We can argue that because that's what we chose. Well, I, I think there's a bigger storyline here. It's not that A&M was left out and there's only 68 spots, right? I mean, that's all true. You've got the 34 at large. And uh, as a part of the, uh, the de- 36 at large, as a part of the detail that uh, Buzz Williams um, put out there with the media, I mean, he goes through all 36 at-large bids and compares yeah, I'm looking at the, the net right ranking 
and their records against quad one, two, and three opponents. I think he even includes quad four. And he compares A&M to the other 36 teams that did get in as an at-large. And to, to give him credit here, that is what I would go by if I'm on the committee. Based on what I know that the criteria is, um, Kermit mentioned it too, these net rankings that everyone points to in the selection process. And when you compare their ranking to the other at-large, A&M is among the, amongst this group. And not just like last team in. I mean, they're in the thick of it. They're, they're ranked in the 40s, uh, 43rd. Uh, meanwhile, you look at Rutgers. Rutgers has a 77 ranking. Notre Dame at uh, 53. Those are your two play-in matchups. Um, Wyoming with a 50. I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons to point to it and say, okay, what's the criteria? And that's, that, to me, Chad, is the storyline. What Transparency on how they're selecting the last team in, like Indiana or, uh, or a, a Notre Dame or a Rutgers, instead of A&M. And I think what Williams is saying is, I can't tell you why. And, and by the way, it wouldn't be A&M. It would have been Dayton. I can't, it, it, he's saying that there are, are ulterior motives to the selection process. And until that changes, he has zero respect for what goes on with the bias behind the scenes. That's the story. I, I would, I'll, I'll say this for Buzz. And I, look, I think A&M got the raw end of the deal, no doubt about it. I'd like to know specifics about why he thinks this committee did not want A&M in and wanted others in instead of them. What, what was their bias uh, for that happening? I need to see a motive, I guess is what I'm saying. Because making claims like that is, all, is fine and dandy when you're angry, but... Tell me why exactly they don't want A&M a part of the tournament and they want someone else in. What's the benefit to them? I need to know that first. Final two pages, he goes into to notes comparing resumes to the other uh, teams in an attempt to understand why the Aggies were left out of the tournament. I'm with you. And I think that's why he said, hey, what I've prepared is what I'm willing to say publicly because there's clearly some things behind the scenes in his research of this, this committee and the committees that determine who's on the committee that he's pointing to and alluding to. I would love for someone to dig that up. Well, and Buzz Williams even argues in his nine pages of documents, uh, the last 10 games I talked about, that used to be a factor, stating that the Aggies had a better record in the final 10 games of the season than 13 at-large teams had that was in the field. But for what th- that didn't matter to this group because they're I, sitting there saying we're not going to – one week in March does not change the whole season. I mean, and, and again, for many of the, the listeners and viewers right now, you filled out a bracket by now. My biggest issue that backs up Buzz Williams' argument, he should include this in his notes. On February the 18th, I believe it is, February 19th, here are your top seeds according to the committee. The one that Lenardi refused to go by when the committee actually released this. The NCAA was telling us who was going to be in the tournament. Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Kansas are your ones. Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue, and Duke are your twos. And then, I mean, you can keep going. Texas Tech, Tennessee, Illinois, Wisconsin, UCLA, Providence, Texas. For the most part, the seedings on February 19th are what we got whenever the actual bracket was announced a month later. Yeah, they didn't. Joe Lenardi's argument for why Tennessee wasn't moving to Carl Ravitch, to Jimmy Dykes, to everyone calling that game was essentially 
they don't want to move the bracket. Guys, I'm telling you, they're a three seed. They're not moving it. They're not changing. They're not leaving. I don't care what happened against Kentucky or what happens today. They're not going to move them. And then he brought up Duke and said, well, they're obviously they're not going to move Duke off the two and, line. And people, it was a very odd argument from Lenardi that made no real and sense. And I'll say it doesn't necessarily have to be about a personal issue that someone on the committee that doesn't like A&M or doesn't like Buzz Williams from his you know, coaching past in the ACC. It can be as simple as this sponsor – is a huge supporter of X team. And they're a big money spender for the NCAA. It can be that simple. Could be. And we're going to send them to Indy instead of sending them to San Jose. Just picking out two random cities. And that's why there are two, because we need them in Indy, because the sponsor wants them there, because they're a sweetholder. I am not denying that may be the case. I'm just saying if Buzz Williams is going to throw out these accusations... Get even more specific about oh, the I, accusation. I agree with you. Show me where, what is it, Capital One? Capital One with Sam Jackson and Charles Barkley and those spots we're going to see throughout March yep. Madness. Show me where the CEO of Capital One is a Rutgers grad and was spinning influence with the committee to get Rutgers in the tournament. Show me that or make that accusation, and then, then we can talk. Get specific with it. Because I, I don't know why the committee – A&M got screwed, no doubt. I don't know why they would want to do that. I don't know the bias against the Aggies that would the committee would say, I'd we say, don't want them in the tournament. And when it comes to transparency, you know, everyone says, oh, we, we want name, image, likeness because it's happening anyway. I'm, I'm saying that. But now that the doors are open and you can see what goes on behind the scenes through the glass, a lot of people don't like what they're seeing. And they would rather have it go back to, uh, you know, don't ask, don't tell. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that, right? Like, I just want to yeah. watch the game. I, so we can preach all we want about wanting to know what goes on behind the scenes. It, it probably gets a little messy with the, the selections and teams involved and the donors involved in all this, the big sponsor, sponsorship dollars. And who knows about the networks? A lot more coming on I got a public service announcement when we come back with this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Time for a public service announcement from Chad Withrow on OutKick 360. So everybody's been arguing about Tennessee should be a 2C, not a 3C that certain teams shouldn't be there, should be there. Tournament starts tomorrow. I know it's the first four is going on. That's great. It's cute. Okay. <laughs> tournament starts tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central time. That's the actual NCAA tournament. All of these arguments are null and void the moment games tip. All right, games are happening. So whatever happens, I don't care if Tennessee loses by 30 to Longwood tomorrow or if they lose in the second round to Colorado State or whatever happens. Do not come back and argue, see, they didn't deserve a two seed. They deserved a three seed, just like they can't even win one tournament game. Does not matter. It doesn't. We argue on Selection Sunday leading up to the games because 35-plus games have been played at that point. We're arguing over the 35-plus games. The beauty and the misery of the NCAA tournament every year in March is that all of that goes away and one game matters, the one in front of you. And if you lose, your season is over and you feel awful. 
And if you win, you get to play again, and it's great. That's what matters. So regardless of the arguments leading up to it, whatever you argued one way or the other, you are not vindicated if a team loses that you were mad other people were arguing should have been seated higher. Does not matter. Does not matter. And if Tennessee were to lose early and you're saying, oh, well, they shouldn't have been, well, that plays into it also. For sure. Because being a two seed is a less likely chance of losing early. That is my PSA. I, I to agree all with you. college basketball fans out there, none of it matters anymore. And whatever people have argued the last week goes away once they tip it off. What an upset that would be if Longwood beats Tennessee yeah, I don't, right now. I don't see that happening. But again, I, I don't want. Everyone coming so by. Would, oh, see, it, well, it see, they didn't, they didn't, but they didn't no, deserve we, a two seed. No, the, you argue based would, on what led up to it, that. I don't think, I don't think the response would be that. It would be Rick Barnes is Rick Barnes in the NCAA tournament again. Yeah, that will be the response. Yes, it will, and that will be fair. Yep. If they lose to Longwood, <laughs> I, I agree. It, it's hey, it, it they're, is, they're not losing a lot. It is odd though with Barnes that he's a great coach and had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I can't point to one thing as to why the guy doesn't win in March. It's just kind of who he is at this point, right? That sounds awful to say, but I mean, every team is a little bit different. But this team is very different that they're so guard-dominated. Mm-hmm. That's what gives me more hope for this Tennessee team in this tournament because they're different from other Rick Barnes coach teams. News of the hour, Julio Jones uh, will be released by the Titans after June 1st, but we know he's not going to be a part of the roster. Where's Freddie Freeman going to end up? What roster will he be on? J.P. and Sibia in studio with us. Time to discuss the top Major League Baseball headlines, and we start in Atlanta next on OutKick 360.